Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. My name is Joseph Amari, and I'm an attorney at SATC Law. You can find the Bridging Chicago podcast at our website, bridgingchicago.com, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. Today, I'm incredibly grateful to be joined by Robert Finkel, Rootmaster and CEO of Forbidden Root Brewery, as well as founder and managing partner of Prism Capital. Robert, we are so glad to have you on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Robert, are you originally from Chicago? I'm actually from New York originally. I grew okay. up in New York City and uh, been here about 30 years. Uh, so I consider myself a Chicagoan. Okay, great. So big uh, city to big city. Exactly. Awesome. And so a little bit about your background. You did your undergraduate at John Hopkins? I, I was at Johns Hopkins, uh, a, a very serious but uh, great university, and uh, studied social and behavioral sciences there, uh, knowing that I was going to go to business school. Okay. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, uh, had a great time in Baltimore and enjoyed the, you know, the Chesapeake crabs and <laughs> uh, and local beer, and uh, then went to New York for a couple uh, years to work, and then uh, came out of business school, you know, uh, two years later. Okay. And so you went to Harvard Business School full-time? I did. That's awesome. I did. So after that point, was that when you got the idea for Prism Capital? No, I was actually recruited to a uh, venture capital firm called Windpoint Partners, which back then was backed by the Johnson Wax family uh, and cut my teeth on venture deals and growth deals and some buyouts. And uh, it was, you know, there were eight, there were eight uh, venture firms in Illinois at that point. Now they're you know, well over a hundred. Uh, oh, okay. And so it was very different in those days and um, kind of got, you know, great training and sitting on boards and evaluating companies and management. And it was, uh, maybe seven years after I joined that I formed Prism Capital. Okay. And so what was the process leading into forming your own company? Well, I, I, you know, at a certain point when you, you know, learn the, the skill set and the experience curve in venture is actually rather long. There are a lot of things to do and you got to look for cycles, but at a certain point you sort of get the, the basics and the rhythm. Uh, and then it's a matter of, you know, Confidence meets foolishness that, to, to think you can do it yourself. Uh, and uh, uh, it was doing deal by deal uh, for a little while and then formed a group and, and raised a fund and then raised another fund. Okay. And so at that point, you thought, all right, I've seen a lot of the background. It's time for me to venture off. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At a certain point, you want to do things your way and you think you, you know, have a a unique or distinct vantage point on things. And, uh, and we did a prism and, and did it successfully. And you also wrote a book as well about private equity. I, I did. Uh, you know, I felt like there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot to learn in the apprentice mentor, uh, relationship. That's the sort of, the uh, you know, the way that you cut your teeth and you grow, there's no manual, there's nothing, uh, there was little to read on, you know, what made a good investor. Uh, mm. And uh, given it was, uh, you know, just handed down by 
by carrying people's briefcases and being around them and <laughs> watching them and, and, and soaking up the experience, uh, you really, you know, I, I was worried that some of these, you know, uh, original characters, you know, their, their institutional knowledge, you know, would be lost if it weren't captured. So I, I felt like a historian that didn't want these valuable learnings, you know, lost the ages and I wanted to try to put them in a codex. Uh, and that was really what drove me to, to write the book. That's an interesting uh, idea of taking like a historian's approach to, you know, taking this information and putting it as a resource for, you know, future individuals that want to get involved. That, 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 that's exactly what I did. And I partnered with a great writer in David Grising. And, you know, we sort of, you know, mapped out, you know, uh, chunks of learnings and had, you know, uh, one of the greats talk about that so they could focus on a subject and uh, hopefully it's been helpful. And so I noticed earlier, you mentioned uh, the great beer in Baltimore. Is that how you got involved in, uh, you know, the brewery scene? Uh, no, uh, I, I, you know, uh, I, I had been a fan and, you know, I'm a, I'm a foodie, so I like tasting different things wherever I am. Uh, but it was really uh, a junior partner back then uh, named John Hosley who uh, came up with the idea of doing a beer tasting. Uh, and uh, I put myself on the beer tasting subcommittee. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, in advance of this event, we'd select you know, 12 or 14 different beers. And this is like 18 years ago when craft beer was still getting its legs in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, and we were turning people on to, to craft beer for the first time every year. And we had 300 people every year joining us. Uh, that's how I really got exposed to craft beer. Yeah. And as you mentioned, it's, it's exploded. The amount of uh, breweries and you know, the craft beer scene has really taken off. I've noticed in the city and the suburbs, everywhere you look, which is really sure. an awesome thing. It's a great experience. Now, I think you created an annual tradition called Novemberfest. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's what we did at, at Prism, introducing different kinds of craft beer to the financial you know, industry and, and turning people on to new things is something I've always enjoyed. And uh, that was no exception. It sounds like the event was well received. It was. I mean, literally, uh, you know, people, uh, as soon as they got in, they collected their glass and they collected the glasses for, I don't know, six years uh, that we did it. And um, yeah, it, it was uh, uh, packed every year. And so was this the point where you thought, all right, I've made my mark in venture capital. It's time to expand my horizon. Oh, I, I don't know what I, whether I, I, I made my mark, but, you know, <laughs> we, we certainly had a successful run and, and enjoyed writing the book. And, you know, that was kind of a, a swan song for me in that, you know, I really, you know, I didn't want my tombstone reading, you know, here lay a great asset manager. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what the business has turned into. It's an asset management business more than it ever was, at least when I did it. And that's not why I got into it. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I had an idea for, a root beer beer mm. uh, and you know, what did it taste like? What did it look like? What did it smell like? You know, in, in Dodge city in 1890, when the barkeep slid the sarsaparilla glass to you, what was that experience like? And that sort of, you know, lodged in my, my head for a couple of years before I said, you know, I, I want to 
I, I want to see what this is like. And so I, I pursued that uh, development uh, with a guy named Randy Mosier, uh, who really was, you know, he's the best-selling author in the world globally, you know, uh, a couple hundred thousand copies of his tasting beer books and then published, I think, in 26 languages. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, so I, I partnered with him initially. He consulted and then uh, became a partner and we developed this product which took us, you know, about 16 months uh, just on this one product path. Uh, and, um, and then we decided, you know, with some other formulations, uh, this is a bigger idea and a company. Mm-hmm. And that's when Forbidden Root was born. Okay. And so after you had gone through the process of uh, probably experimentation with uh, different flavors and you had your product, what, what did you do then? So... Um, you know, we scaled up recipes so they could go into production just versus just tabletop uh, testing uh, and, you know, concluded pretty quickly that you, know, you needed a, uh, a physical uh, venue, a manifestation of the brand, if you will, to mm-hmm. showcase what you're doing. Uh, and that's when we found the Chicago Avenue, uh, your former movie theater and, uh, built a brewery in there and built out a restaurant. And so people could come in and see what we meant by, you know, botanically inspired beer and uh, an innovative, edgy, you know, food that was approachable yet, you know, different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so that was really the next order of, uh, of operations. And we, you know, we opened that up, you know, almost seven years ago at this point. When you say botanically inspired beer, could you elaborate a little bit more about what that means? Sure. Uh, and by the way, hops are botanic. You know, a botanic mm-hmm. is a plant, uh, you know, stem, fruit, leaf, uh, flower. Uh, you know, it's all the organic elements uh, that we use uh, honey uh, to to create flavors. Uh, and so we're we're. Uh, yeah, there's a history of, of 10,000 years, at least, of, of brewing, and the first 9,200 9, of those are, um, you know, without hops. Mm. Hops, hops really came in in 800, 900 years ago, uh, you know, we think in the Czech Republic. And um, uh, before that, you know, it was actually women who were brewing uh, and foraging locally, whether in Latin America or North America or Europe or in uh, uh, Asia, just, just looking for ingredients that were local and making a brew. Uh, and um, so there's a long tradition of using all kinds of ingredients to come up with a, a delicious beer. Mm-hmm. And so does that pose any unique challenges because you're avoiding using hops or maybe not avoiding? but We're, not we don't u- avoid using hops at all. Uh, yeah, we love hops. Hops is a botanic. We have a line of Hazy, yeah, hazy IPAs that we've been brewing for four years now, and you know we we were early in that in that effort. So uh, no, we 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 love hops and hops that are in all our beer. They, um, you know, we we harmonize with them with other ingredients uh, sometimes and sometimes not. Uh, I see. It, so uh, you know, uh, uh, it gives us more of a palate, not less. It doesn't constrict us; it expands our our horizons. So perhaps the goal is to, you know, seek out new flavors in addition and see how you can combine and, you know, create something even greater than the sum of the parts. 
Yeah, I mean, when you're when you get into a business, you know, uh, like craft beer, you need to feel. I need to feel as if we're adding something, we're contributing something, and that means something better or different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and so we constantly look how to, whether it's a style or you know, a, a style with a uh, you know a twist. You know, our number one seller is a strawberry basil hefeweizen. Mm. Uh, and you know, strawberry is a very difficult fruit flavor to get into beer. I won't go into all the, the chemistry of it, but uh, it took us over a year to sort of, you know, uh, dial in uh, that flavor the way we wanted to present it. Uh, and um, I think people are appreciating that. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds delicious. You said strawberry basil? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it sounds like you have quite a palate. Have you always been very inclined for different flavors? And you said you were a foodie earlier. Uh, you know, foodie since birth. Uh, so <laughs> I, I've always you know, been interested in, in food and flavor and experiences. Uh, and uh, uh, really anybody who's in our team, you know, they are passionate about you know, passing on and delivering an experience that somebody might not have had. Uh, but without, you know... Um, yeah, without without with something that's approachable, uh, something that could be understood, but yet is is uh, uh, the walkout saying, "Wow, I, I hadn't had that before." Mm-hmm. In that way, and you also have a bit of background with uh, nutritional literacy. Is that correct? Well, I I I, uh, I was uh, dabbling in you know uh, uh, trying to cre- create a nonprofit in the wellness area because there's a a load of misinformation out there in terms of dietary supplements and those things. And I mm-hmm. uh, was on the cusp of doing that until uh, I saw that forbidden route would be, you know, a, a more, even more enjoyable path for me personally. Uh, and so uh, at some point I may, uh, I, I may help others, you know, uh, on that path, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm focused on forbidden route. I see. And so with, the beer, you also have a, a kitchen as well at Forbidden Root. Well, each of you have three locations in Chicago Avenue uh, and now Ravenswood, the old band of Bohemia, uh, mm. and in Columbus in the Eastern uh, Shopping Mall. Um, we uh, have a brewery in each of those locations and a kitchen in each of those locations. So they're full brewery restaurants. Oh, wow. uh, okay. Uh, and so, um, yeah, the chef wants the food to be as interesting as the beer and the brewers want the beer to be as interesting as the food. So, uh, uh, yeah, we do beer dinners where we, you know, pair beer with, uh, with food and, uh, yeah, they have a good time. So what are some of your favorite items on the menu? Oh boy. Uh, each location, you know, has its own, uh, approach. Uh, you know, we have, um, you know, our newest cultivate is, is constantly innovating and, uh, yeah, they have some, you know, some great veg dishes cause it's, you know, they even more, uh, you know, vegan and, and vegetable and, uh, you know, they've got a broccolini dish, which is delicious and big bread and all, all kinds of things. But, you know, they we still have our forbidden root burger, uh, which is, you know, uh, considered by some to be, you know, among the better in Chicago, we've mm-hmm. made a bunch of lists there and, and, um, uh, you know, in uh, Ohio, we have a delicious, you know, uh, chicken sandwich, and and uh, you know the chef there is constantly innovating different dishes. We have a duck and dumplings, 
uh, at uh, several of our locations, which is a, a signature dish. Uh, and um, you know, we try to, to make things that, while approachable, are something that you haven't had before or with a twist. Absolutely. So it sounds like you have found incredible success in your path to this point. What, what would you say was the you know, biggest obstacle that you faced when you were you know, going through this process? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, of creating Forbidden Root? Yeah. Um, you know, in the venture institutional investment world, you are backing great CEOs. You're on their board. Uh, you're trying to share lessons with other companies, with other business cycles uh, that, you know, the, uh, you know, the CEO and team may not have, you know, thought fully out or brainstorm with them or be a partner. Uh, but, um, you know, rolling up your sleeves and opening up a restaurant and, you know, rolling out a menu and, you know, coming up with beers is a whole different animal. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you're not, you know, writing, writing slide decks and, and, you know, grenade tossing every quarter, you know, sharing some thoughts and then leaving and coming back a quarter later. It's every day. And, um, you know, the, 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 you know, people involved are, are looking for, you know, leadership and guidance and, uh, uh, you know, so you're really trying to find, you know, uh, people who are culturally aligned with, you know, a, a passionate, you know, view of experience and, and creating those, you know, dishes and beers, uh, that will be memorable and, and more than just, you know, uh, putting you know, food on your plate and, and, and a beer in your glass. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that, you know, uh, uh that hands-on, um, you know, uh, approach is, is very different when you're operating versus on somebody's board. Absolutely. I imagine that in, in that you learned a lot about, you know, not only the industry, but probably a lot about yourself, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. Uh, I learned that I like being with people and that I like being with like-minded, you know, passionate souls who, um, you know, are, are, are artists, uh, in part themselves and, you know, uh, trying to, you know, uh, you know, conduct a band and let everybody, you know, it, you know, individually, you know, highlight their, you know, their skills and abilities and passions and yet with a unified, you know, composition is really, you know, uh, it, it's, it's very gratifying. Absolutely. And you mentioned passion. I think that's so important. You know, when you go into something with passion, it makes, it doesn't feel like work, at least in my experience, when I'm passionate, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I get to do this and I'm excited to do this. And that's a reward in itself. Uh, totally. Uh, and, you know, we, we've tried to pick people who, you know, uh, from the, you know, the hosts and servers, uh, you know, who, who, you know, write the beer boards and de design them and, you know, are passionate about it. And, you know, the, the, those things make a difference and people feel that. Uh, mm. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're very attuned to getting people like that in uh, to, you know, enhance and, and propel our culture. Absolutely. And so your most recent uh, opening was Cultivate in Ravenswood. Is that correct? Yes. When did you guys open? Uh, we uh, opened 
uh, late November of last year. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it, it, it had good bones, but we wanted to take it to the next level, both fine tuning uh, the brewing capability and uh, building out some more equipment and adding a, a fooder, uh, which is a big wood tank uh, mm. that allows us to do loggers and fruited loggers because uh, we have a, a metal bottom that allows us to do that. Uh, you know, and, and you know, it, was, it was a big kitchen build out. And so we made some refinements and, uh, and built out a, a, you know, a beautiful uh, you know, space that you know, people would understand this is forbidden root and something a little different than it was. Uh, and uh, we're very proud of what we've done. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you, know, you found incredible success in all these ventures. So shifting away from it, it, what are some of the things that you like to do on your own personal time? I can see you have a couple of guitars in the background. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't played in a while, but, uh, yeah. Uh, like a lot of things peaked at age 16. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, I like to, you know, download music that, that I like and, and reverse engineer it and play all the instruments along the way. And, and then, you know, create my own karaoke and, and I sing to that. And so I create my own, you know, a set of songs. I think I've done about 75 of them so far. Okay. Um, I, I love playing table tennis. Uh, <laughs> and so we, we had a, you know, play the root master. We'd actually did two nights of that. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, they had to take me with a spatula off the floor after I played 30, 30 matches. <laughs> uh, and um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and so those are, you know, uh, two two things that I that I enjoy in, in the uh, off time from Forbidden Root. Sounds like you have a, a kind of a predilection for creativity in the arts. Uh, yeah, I, I I actually you know I, I you're either artist or or audience, and and in many senses I'm audience because you know I can draw strict you know, stick figures, uh, but I appreciate <laughs> you know uh, uh, artists who you know, uh, have, have formed that connection between their mind and their hand, uh, uh, far better than me, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love beautiful things. And, you know, if I can be involved in either appreciating or creating them, uh, all the better. Does that apply to, you know, when you set up the interior of a restaurant, I imagine you probably have a kind of an idea in mind of how you want the ambiance to be for the patron. Oh, for sure. You know, uh, uh, yeah, I'm involved in every square inch. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you was privileged to work with uh, the great Jordan Moser uh, and, you know, did uh, some really wonderful, who did some really wonderful design for uh, Cultivate. Uh, you know, we took uh, these large olive buckets uh, that, that I found in a, a small village in France. Uh, we imported, I think, 45 of them, uh, and he designed a, a light fixtures, five of them. They're huge or massive and throw off some really cool light between the edges of it and then down. Um, and so we, you know, we, we did some, you know, uh, some unique things uh, in both the tap room, uh, which is separate, uh, which you know, is, is meant to have a casual beer, you know, play some games with your friends. Uh, you know, uh, we'll occasionally close for a private event and then the main dining space 
uh, you know, it's, it's something to see. It's, it's, uh, you know, we want it to be visually interesting and welcoming and that, that feeling of that Scandinavian word, huge, which is, you know, welcoming, like sort of an après ski. You just feel very comfortable and warm there mm-hmm. and able to hang out with your friends. Uh, Cultivate has zero TVs. Uh, hmm. So it's really meant to, you know, you go with your friends or family uh, to enjoy them. And that's the content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we, we believe in that connection. I think that's a, a really nice touch. I think that sometimes disconnecting and really focusing on the people you're with can really deepen an experience. Totally. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, for our listeners, Cultivate is in Ravenswood at 4710 North Ravenswood Avenue. Uh, Robert, do you have anything you want to leave our guests with? No, uh, yeah, we're, we're in the experience business. So you know, we want to uh, you know, turn people on to new things and uh, with, with familiar ingredients, uh, yet with a twist. And uh, my hope is that when you walk in to either Cultivate uh, or you know, OG Forbidden Root on Chicago Avenue, you know, you're, you're seeing things on the menu that you know, are familiar but with a twist. Uh, and we're you know, constantly adding, you know, maybe two new beers a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so every time you come in, you'll, you'll, you'll see an unusual beer board. And if you want just a, <laughs> just a regular old beer, they'll be there. Uh, but if you want something you know, interesting, uh, whether it's uh, strawberry, basil, half of ice, or a, a hazy IPA or, you know, a, a sour blackberry vanilla, you know, beer, uh, we, we, we've got that for you too. So uh, we're really, we, we, we're excited to have people come in and try us and hang out and enjoy each other. Absolutely. I'm excited to try the strawberry basil beer. I've been thinking about it the whole time. It sounds so good. <laughs> Come on do down. Have, do you have any social medias uh, that our listeners might be able to connect with? Sure. Yeah. There, there's, yeah, we, we're on Instagram, uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, you know, you can see, you know, our images, you know, our, our, our products are sort of, you know, lend themselves to the visuals. So you can certainly get a good sense of who we are and what we do. Uh, uh, at Forbidden Root or uh, on Facebook. All right. Well, Robert, thank you so much. I had a wonderful time talking with you and uh, I hope to take care. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding. 